0: Hey guys, welcome back to BlockCast. It is time for the weekly rant. We missed last week, so there's probably a bit more for us to go through. Uh, Will, how are you? What were we talking
1: about today? Good, Simon. Uh, Just reading up on Ledger, and it looks like they decided to uh, pull back their whole recovery scheme. Uh, That, For people who missed this news, uh, Ledger had come out uh, two weeks ago, and they said that they wanted to... They provided an opportunity, basically, if you owned a ledger, an opportunity for you to pretty much send your keys outside your ledger and have it backed up by three people. And, of course, the markets didn't react too well to it. I mean, moving your keys out of your ledger, to me personally, is crazy. (laughs) I think to everybody else.
0: (laughs) Yeah, it's very interesting. I guess this is succumbing to, I guess, public pressure, isn't it? Obviously, they had a huge pushback. And they were probably right to put a pause on it because I think it was going to damage them too much from a, I guess, a marketing perspective if they went forward with it. And so it's open Pandora's box now though, is that we're only a firmware update away from your private keys being able to get pulled out. So at least everyone now is a little bit more knowledgeable about what actually can occur with hardware wallets. I think me personally, I'll be a little bit more wary about just clicking yes, update firmware on my ledger next time. And it's definitely making me think about spreading my risk across more than just a ledger hardware wallet, I guess.
1: Oh yeah, me too. I mean, it's crazy to me that the, like you said, we're one update away. That means that the ledger always had that vulnerability. It's just that they hadn't installed it as far as we know. So. I I would also be looking to diversify and I really want to know how the other hardware wallets work. And it would be great if some experts could sort of dig into it and open up the hardware and let us know what we see. I guess that's the closest we can get to trusting somebody else to make (laughs) hardware wallets for us.
0: Uh, I think think the assumption assumption going forward is that any hardware wallet can do this. We'd have Mm. to assume that. If Ledger can do it, why can't everyone else?
1: I mean let's let's face it there's other ways of storing our crypto safely and I was reminiscing to myself that before hardware wallets we had paper wallets and there was a procedure on how you generated this you essentially bought a laptop and if you were paranoid enough you disabled the wireless completely disabled it physically took it out of the computer and then you generated your key there and you just put it down on paper uh with your hand not even through a printer and that was that was your paper wallet and you know we could still go back to those days <laughs> it's tempting well
0: we, we still are in those days to a degree because you still had to have your you know your seed phrase recovery for ledger so people do that yeah. by hand or people use like the metallic things you can get but that still existed that's still there mm. but I think we it's do it- need to move forward with these user experiences they do need to be easier and better and I still am the of the position that I think what ledger recovery is supposed to be is probably a good thing for the future of crypto because there's probably more people out there who are willing to trust that than they are to trust themselves. And there's more people out there to get into crypto that need this kind of help. We don't oh, yeah. all have and- to be of the we don't all have to be of the mindset where governments are out to get me, I need to protect all my money. <laughs> Yeah, maybe we yeah. should allow some trust. I mean, I, I don't, I can't read the code. I'm trusting mm. what I hear from people that mm. Ethereum and Bitcoin are what they say they are because so I can't read the code. I can read a white paper, but I can't read the yeah. code. So I'm still trusting people there. So there's trust. We can't live in a world oh, yeah. without trust.
1: Oh yeah, I'm, I'm I'm with you there, Simon. I I can't read the Ethereum code as well. It's uh, that's that's for uh, that's for the geeks. Um, <laughs> but I I thought,
0: I, I thought that was you. I thought that
1: was you. <laughs> oh that no! So that there's your job. I, I hate to break this to you, Simon. Uh, there's there's levels of geeks, and so there's, oh, there's okay. uh, yeah. <laughs> so there's geeks who geeks call when things get a bit tricky. So yeah, <laughs> it's a little bit tricky.
0: <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. Well, moving on because we're talking about code, and this is a bit old news now, but uh, it's very interesting. Is that the question of is code law? And the example of this was that there was a hack on SushiSwap and the hackers moved the funds to Lido and they moved it to a wallet in the Lido system that distributed new ETH to everyone. Hmm. So the hacker obviously just stole the money and sent it out to everyone else, not basically keeping it themselves. And so here's the question here is that should Lido return those funds? They have the ability to, should they?
1: I did put it to a vote, didn't they? <laughs>
0: they, they, did put it, they did put it to a DAO vote. And the first DAO vote said, no, no, it's not no, our responsibility that someone has deposited money into our account. And we don't have to do this.
1: I don't but know. But it's an ethical question, isn't it? It is an ethical question. But then the problem now is that Well, okay, now it's LIDO, it's a DAO. I imagine that the people who were voting were probably at least pseudonymous to some case. I didn't vote, but if I was in LIDO, I don't think anybody would know who I was. And if I voted, I don't think anybody would know which way I voted. So, yeah, I I think it just exposed a new problem with DAOs in that if you don't know who is voting, are they always going to vote in the most ethical way? And what should we do about that?
0: (laughs) Yeah. And I don't think I know the right answer to this. I guess, obviously there was a fault in the Swiss swap code, which is not great. That's obviously Mm -hmm. our thing that we've got to stop. Yeah. But what is the DAO's responsibilities? What are the individual's responsibilities? What should be expected of people? I don't know. It's a very interesting one. It's a very interesting case. I think they went and put, the same vote back into the DAO again. The Lido DAO and yeah. said, no, 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 we should vote for this again to see. I <laughs> haven't seen the results of that one yet. So it'd be interesting no, to see the last... second time around, they change their minds.
1: That's funny. No, the last vote was wrong. Let's vote again. I yeah
0: I know that's ridiculous, yeah. isn't it? Like how many times you've asked the same question you know, until you get yeah. the answer that you want? I don't know. So, yeah, it I also
1: it also I think it also brings in other philosophical questions in that first of all the the blockchain is great because it's brought about liquid democracy and representative, and not representative democracy, essentially the demo, uh, democracy where everybody can vote. I forget what the name for that is. But the thing is, should everyone be allowed to vote? Or, you know, if this is what we're going to be getting, and and are there consequences? So Tornado Cash, when Tornado Cash refused to return the money or to cooperate with the government, uh, this is $3 million dollars, it's gone missing. It belongs to someone. So I'm sure somebody has probably reported to the authorities. I would imagine whoever is responsible for Lido probably getting approached at some point and needing to explain what happened to that $3 million, I think. Yeah. I
0: it's, a, it's an interesting case. It'll be interesting to see where it goes. But I guess it still brings the question mark back. Is code law? And I kind of think it is, I guess, mm. is my take on it. I kind of think code is law these days.
1: Mm. We'll I mean, see where that one ends up. hey, this this happened with Ethereum when it was new and the result was code was law. No, actually, sorry. I take that back. Ethereum forked. <laughs> Ethereum, Ethereum
0: forked. forked. You talk, you're talking about the, the original DAO hack, which was like in yeah. 2016, 2015, wasn't it? Just after Ethereum got released. Yeah, so yeah. that's what blockchains can do. If they have a disagreement, they could fork. Yeah. And create a Hong new chain, and I guess let, let the people end up deciding. But I guess that's kind of pointless, though, isn't it? The process of a DAO is the people mm-hmm. who hold the token deciding.
1: Mm-hmm. Totally. Anyway,
0: interesting one. Let's move yeah. on. And this next one is big, big news, I feel, is that China is lifting its crypto exchange ban. So Hong Kong is allowing people to buy and sell crypto again, which I think is huge news because yeah. you kind of know people in the space have seen China banning crypto not banning crypto, banning crypto over and over again. It's kind of a, a running joke. But the last time they banned it, they actually did a pretty good job of stopping it.
1: Mm. But now they're allowing
0: it again. So why are they allowing yeah. it again? I don't
1: know. That's that's the question. I wonder if it's taxes or maybe... Uh, I did hear one theory once that said that uh, back in 2017, I forget who, was, who said it, it might've been Antonopoulos. And he said that, well, right now crypto is really young and there isn't so much money moving around. And right now, crypto is being bullied by lobbyists, but he said at some point, crypto would get big enough, you'd have players who are rich enough and making enough money, we've got crypto billionaires now, probably enough of them, who are able, for their own interest to lobby governments. And Who knows, maybe it's a lobbying thing, maybe it's taxes. I imagine this maybe, maybe it's yeah. China,
0: maybe it's China trying to lead into the fact that the U S is being tough on regulations. So China's like, well, if they're going to be really tough on it. And maybe we should mm-hmm. play the opposite card and try and make it easier. I don't know. I
1: don't know. I'm glad I'm glad they're doing it.
0: Well, all it means is that there's a lot more money probably coming into the space, which is great. It means prices yeah. go up.
1: Yeah. Can you imagine being at a time where, uh, America, the sort of like the, the free country uh isn't as free as uh places like china <laughs> it's like hey i want to start a crypto company i'm going to china
0: <laughs> yeah and, and you know what well, the other thing is is that china is obviously way further on in its um central bank digital currency so maybe they're going to force this integration of their central bank digital currency to it as well so you can only there's no like fiat on and off ramp it's central bank digital currency on and off uh, all right moving on well what's our next topic
1: I kind of like this one. Looks like Shaquille O'Neal is our next BitConnect guy. I didn't know this. (laughs) (laughs) But uh, Shaquille had been basically promoting FTX when he was still pretty legitimate. And it looks like he got served. That's that's one thing. And the other crazy thing is that it seemed like it took a long time for the papers to get to him. It looked like he'd been dodging the uh, whoever was trying to serve him. Now, I don't know how the law works, but I assumed if you did something illegal, it was illegal and you're in trouble. But I don't know, maybe in America, you can just dodge the papers and be safe. But <laughs> looks like you could have touched them for that long. Oh my God. Yeah, it's,
0: it's, it's a very interesting one because, I mean, again, we don't know the law, so I don't really know how it works entirely, especially the US law for that matter. But he was paid to market the company and that's illegal. Like, I didn't know that. He didn't know it was a scam. He didn't know anything was going on. You know, as I think we know, there was lots of other people, like Tom Brady was very famous for promoting them as well. Mm-hmm. Like, they didn't know what was going on. They're not responsible for the business dealings and decisions. They signed a contract to put use their celebrity status, their face, yeah. to promote it. It was a marketing deal. Yeah, I don't know what that's, they did wrong.
1: That's, that's what I don't get. And it's not like they own shares in the company or anything. But maybe the law... The maybe the court case is by investors and not by the SEC, so maybe it's just disgruntled investors who want their money back. But really, I don't know. Going after Shaq, uh,
0: <laughs> well, look at the end of the day, what, what is he going to get hit with like 10,000, I don't know what he's going to hit. He'll, he'll settle, and that'll be cents on the dollar to him, to be fair. So I'm not going to cry a tear over Shaq getting served this. Um, I just <laughs> scratch my head because I don't understand how the law. I
1: guess yeah me neither oh my god I feel like there's so many things happening in crypto that means that people really have to think twice I mean like the Lido guys I hope the Lido maker will be fine and I hope they'll be able to sort it out but then Do one as well whether you love him or hate him all he did was create some contract code and that crashed and I guess he was in trouble so it's really hard to know where where. To stand with the law like even tornado cash they went and arrested some random developers for enabling terrorism was like was it that developer that said no we're not returning you the hacker's money so <sighs> I,
0: that was an interesting case that's something that i'd like to revisit because because he was arrested in the netherlands i believe and he was without charge and kept in jail for a very long time so there was a big push to release him and or understand what he's actually being charged with i hadn't heard about that story for a long time so there's question marks whether he was actually arrested for something else not related to hay- tornado cash and that's what oh, yeah. people wanted to know is it oh, Tornado yeah. cash you're him for or something else you need to let us know because you can't arrest him for writing code hmm. but i don't know that's maybe something i'll look into we can talk about at the next uh weekly event. yeah that
1: sounds good yeah yeah and if uh, you can be arrested in netherlands well Where where are you safe? I mean, I feel like I should move to Russia or someplace that hates America.
0: (laughs) Maybe, yeah. Well, Docon got arrested in Montenegro. So, yeah, they'll they'll get you wherever. FTX2. FTX2 exchange relaunching, mate. It's still underway. There's still plans for it. What are your thoughts on that?
1: Uh, I'm not putting my money in there. (laughs) But... I don't know if they have a token like i'm still hoping that if they do launch they have a token because sometimes exchanges have tokens like binance and the token is good because uh, they can say well if you hold this token and you pay fees in this token the uh, your trade fees will be less that's super important if you have bots there running arbitrage or if you're a market maker so that's really cool so maybe they'll launch their own token and the only reason that i would like them to do that is that maybe they'll have a chance to compensate everybody uh maybe yeah i don't know you, you know what i think uh exchanges i think a really good project would be an exchange insurance fund and it would be amazing if it was actually part of the law or if an exchange could actually say look we've deposited this amount of ETH and this and that into this insurance fund so if anything ever happens to us at least your tokens are safe that would be nice is it possible
0: that would be nice yeah. but that, that would require regulation and that mm. would be nation state regulation so that mm. doesn't cross borders so that'd be a very difficult thing to, mm. to manage but it's doable and something that we probably do need
1: yeah yeah but i'm not putting my money in ftx
0: <laughs> yeah I, from my personal perspective of it, i think the brand is too tarnished and i like mm. the idea okay they're trying to launch it again Everyone seemed to love it. I never actually used FTX, I guess. So I personally didn't lose any money, thankfully. I know lots of people who did, but everyone who used it talked about how great the user experience was. So that's why it was so popular, I think, because it was a great user experience. Mm -hmm. Relaunching it, the user experience probably, I guess the same, because they're probably just going to turn it back on in some way, shape or form. But the brand is just too tarnished. I cannot see how it can succeed. I wouldn't use it because of the brand. Who's going to use it? I mean, the people who are going to use it are probably the ones who lost money on it and wanting to wanting it to work. But the last I heard, FTX had, what, $14 billion lost? I think mm. they've recovered about $10 billion. So a big percentage That's of it has actually been covered, but there's still $4 billion in the hole. It's a lot of money. So a lot of people yeah. still aren't going to get made whole. I don't know how mm. much revenue an exchange actually makes, but I feel filling that hole of $4 billion will take mm. a very long time. So... Yeah. I don't, think, I don't think it's going to succeed and I wouldn't use it just because I think the brand is tarnished and people don't want to be associated with it
1: anymore. Hmm. I mean, it would need to have such a compelling reason to use. And I mean, compelling. And honestly, I can't think of any reason that I would go there and not go to Binance. I mean, the U, UX was great, but that's not enough to get me to go there now just because its reputation is tarnished. I don't know. They definitely have to come up with something. Uh,
0: yeah, they have to, like, you know, they're going against people who hate Binance. would have to be what they're doing. They're going to be going, you know, an anti-Binance kind of campaign to get people away from Binance onto FTX. But there's plenty mm-hmm. of other exchanges out there. There's plenty of other reputable exchanges out there. I mean, especially in the US, there's plenty of really good ones. So I don't know why they would use this anymore. Anyway, mm-hmm. if they do it, hopefully people get their money back. I won't yep. use it.
1: <laughs> Me neither. <laughs> uh
0: all righty let's finish up mate we're talking about price price yep. has been very interesting of late and this has been the first red candle month for bitcoin for 2023 which is in itself like kind of cool so we had january february march april up up only for bitcoin but now we've put in our first red month not a significant yep. one but well, let me imagine I've got, the, I've got the chart right in front of me so it's What is it? uh, Yeah, 7% down in the
1: month. Yeah. I I always get excited about red candles during the bear, because that just, I mean, during the bull, because that just means I can buy some. Um, I'm looking at my personal chart, and I've got uh, an indicator that I don't see in too many places. It's only on this platform, which is under development. But then what it does is it correlates uh, bitcoins and other Prices, other instrument prices across the whole year, but then across several years, and so it has the price of Bitcoin this June and the last June and the one before that, and the indicator
0: mm-hmm.
1: notices that uh, a lot of these prices tend to correlate uh, month on month. So in that, if June this year was fairly bullish, last year was also bullish. It they tend to correlate, uh, and there is some clever math to make it uh, easy to understand and the reason that uh like prices correlate month on month is just because of the way markets flow. for example during certain holidays there's a lot of money being spent during Christmas maybe people are traveling that affects oil oil affects this thing. so regardless of whether you're in a bear or a bull uh prices tend to fairly correlate so even if you're in a bear that's going down and June tends to be a positive month you might get a little bit of an uptick so uh, according to this indicator, it looks like we'll be down until the end of June, and then we're going to start going up. Once we get to around mid-July, we should be uh, doing pretty well price-wise. I think, according to the indicator. What do you think, Simon?
0: There you go, TA, TA from Will. Um, I think we discussed this at the start of the year about this is going to be a choppy year. We're going to be going up and down, up and down. So we're still in that, so down, not surprised about, we aren't in the up only period of the market cycle yet. So yeah, I think Mm -hmm. it's means it's a better time to start buying. If you're dollar cost averaging, you could put more in now Mm while the market's down a bit, I think it's a case of don't worry too much. We've had one red month after four green. This is the cycle we're in. It's a bit sideways at the moment, so don't stress about it too much. It's just uh, where we're at.
1: Oh yeah. If it's going to go up, it's going to go down. If it's going to go down, it's going to go up. It's just the nature of markets, right?
0: Yeah. 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 Interestingly enough, though, ETH didn't have a down month. ETH was slightly up, only about like literally less than a percent over the month. Oh. So ETH still still green all year for Ethereum. Maybe if I changed uh exchange that I'm looking at the, tra- the, the, um, hmm. the, the charts on, it might be different. Well, but currently, I... it shows green month might be all
1: that staking going on Maybe. well that's an interesting
0: one, isn't it like there's a huge amount going into staking now so the decline in ethereum being staked is over there's no one trying to get out of ethereum staking anymore there's a mm. huge backlog of people trying to go in and last i heard there's like millions of eth trying to get into the staking pool so you're talking about Weeks delay mm. of actually getting new Ethereum into the staking pool, which is incredible. So Imagine there that. was definitely no bearish case. The, the ETH unlock was definitely not mm. a dump of ETH. It wasn't everyone racing for the doors, it was a race for everyone to get in.
1: I envy everyone with holding a lot of ETH. I wish I had more than I do. But... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, fair enough. Yeah, oh, wow. that
0: makes sense. Yeah. That makes sense. So it's clearly bullish, the Ethereum staking is very bullish, more people are putting in there, which means more Ethereum is being locked up, which will bring the yield down actually, but it also means that there's no one selling, people aren't selling their Ethereum. So yeah. price should go up. And the, the burn mechanism is still in place, it's still negative uh, issuance of ETH now because of the burn mechanism. So there's just mm. so many, you know, positive, th- bullish things for Ethereum mm. going forward.
1: Yep. maybe one more topic, Simon. Uh, yeah, sure. Uh, Tornado Cash was hacked. So, how about that? The hackers' haven hacked by hackers. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I did hear about wow. this. So, what exactly happened here, mate?
1: Well, I'm. How did they I hack think...
0: it? What did they get?
1: I'm trying to get a little bit more information on that, and I guess we might post it in in a subsequent video. But the essence of it is that it was some sort of governance attack where somebody managed to create, I guess, extra governance votes for themselves. And having that, they created heaps and heaps of votes for them. So they pretty much had a governance majority on Tenado Cash. And from there, they were able to um, pretty much drain funds. I think it was from the Treasury. I'm not sure. I really need to make sure. But then the crazy part is after they did the drain, they pretty much... uh, I suppose, released the the governance force they have. So they pretty much set to cash free. And with the process that they took, they converted them to ETH and then put them back into the mixer. So uh, they pretty much hacked the mixer and then <laughs> they used the mixer to <laughs> secure the, they,
0: they, they stole from the tr- so They stole from the treasury and then they used the protocol's mixer to hide with oh, the funds
1: go. It's brilliant. How, how mad is that? So, yeah. The only problem is that a lot of people don't know this, but I did a little bit of homework on Tornado Cash way back for for my job. And the thing is, Tornado Cash has a, a number of pools. I think one of them is something like 1 ETH. You put in an ETH and you can get on an ETH and something like a 5 ETH and a 10 ETH pool. So you can't just throw in 120 Ethereum's. Like You have to throw in exact amounts so that nobody can track you. But the problem is that In order to be completely anonymous, well, you need to use the smaller pools. There's like, I don't know, maybe 10 whales in the biggest pool. So if you take your billion dollars and toss them in the biggest pool, well, if you're taking them out, law enforcement is pretty sure that it's one of those 10 guys. So it's almost kind of like pointless to use the bigger pools, to be honest with you. Everybody is in the smaller pools. Uh, So I would wager that if those hackers knew what they were doing, they probably threw it in the small pool. The only problem is that if you throw it in the small pools, you're stuck withdrawing it at a really slow rate. You can't take it out all at once. You've got to take it out in chunks of whatever it is. I think it's less than, a, I think it's probably a hundred bucks. So you've got to withdraw it in terms of a hundred dollars. Whatever, whatever money you stole can only come out in hundred dollar trickles. And if it's a lot of money and you start trickling out hundred dollars every day, everyone's going to know like, that's the guy. <laughs> that's the guy. <laughs> so 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 there's
0: there's will's advice if you're going to hack money and put it through tornado cash do it in small increments so you don't get caught
1: yeah but we wouldn't recommend hacking though so yeah (laughs) (laughs) but if
0: you do no no we wouldn't if you do if you just happen to then this is the way you should do it there you go all righty thank you very much will i think we will end it there we should do the podcaster thing for anybody who's made it this far Please like, please subscribe, please leave ratings, whichever one you're listening to us on. That helps us get the message out. If you made it this far, you'd probably like the show, so please do that to help us. Uh, thanks for your time. Welcome.
1: All right, amazing assignment. Until next time.